You are listening to the Aaron Evans podcast. This podcast is for the skinny dippers, the seekers, the stargazers, those that want to dream big, bet high, fall in love again and again, those that want to break free and know their highest self. Thank you for your attention. You can follow me on Instagram at Aaron underscore Evans or check out my website, AaronEvansYoga.com. Buckle up and thank you for tuning in. I feel so fortunate, number one, that you're still here with us. But I am sitting with Sam Dickey, and many of you have heard my conversation with him when he did the Dirty 230 race. But just recently, Sam had a very interesting experience doing what he loves to do, and I wanted to hear about it from Sam. Can you tell us about your mission and what happened? So a few weeks ago, back in August, I think it was August 19th I started, the goal is to go for the record, the fastest known time of the Great Divide Trail, which is a 1,130-kilometer trail from the Canada-USA border to the top of the Canadian Rockies, close to Prince George. And my goal is to do it in about two weeks, so averaging about 80K a day. Yeah, and then like right from the get-go of this thing, it started off pretty hot. Just over a kilometer in, we ran into like a stressed-out mama bear and two cubs, and that like Held us back about 45 minutes or so. So you're running, mm-hmm. you meet the Cubs, and already you're like, what a bummer, but I'm going to dig deep, and this will be good, and I'm, I'm going to keep continuing. So you continued on. Yeah, right away I was obviously upset that we got held back that much. But like my dad was there, and he was like, this isn't just a race. Like You're running across the entire trust of Canadian Rockies. Enjoy every moment of it. So like just like you see like a mama bear holding you back enjoy the beauty around it. And so like, I kind of like changed my mindset being like, you're right, this isn't a race, I should get off the clock and like, enjoy what I'm doing. Just like finish my destination every day. Yeah, it all went pretty smooth for the rest of the day. So that day was a total of 104 kilometers. So after that, I had like a solo um, 18K segment to where I saw the, uh, the Picker again. And then I had a solo 66 kilometer stretch over like a few different mountain ranges. So it was like, I gained over five and a half thousand vertical meters that day in 104 kilometers. Um, and the, some stretches of it were kind of like bushwhacky. Towards the end of it, I think it was like 85K in. Bad weather rolled in really, really quick. And then I was like socked in, in the Alpines, like above a tree line uh, with like 10 feet visibility getting rained on body body temperature dropped quite a bit and I, uh, I was kind of traversing along these steep grassy slopes with like clipped out edges to my left and I was like following every like other footstep and I couldn't even see where the cliffs were gonna be so it got to the point where like moving in these conditions weren't really safe anymore so I texted the um, team on the inReach and just said Hey, I don't feel comfortable moving in this anymore. I'm just gonna like sleep under a tree. <laughs> and, and I was like, boom, this is day one. Like, this is how the GDT is gonna go. I'm like, all right, let's get this going. <laughs> this is gonna be sick. <laughs> so, for, for those of us that don't do uh, two million mile races, uh, in my mind, you've got short shorts, you've got like yeah. a little backpack with yeah. your water and your food source. So, I'm gonna sleep under a tree. What do you mean, with nothing? 
Yeah, so for something like this, like when you're doing 104 kilometers solo, you're gonna be bringing a bit more stuff. So like I had like a first aid kit with me, a couple extra Snickers bars, a safety blanket. Um, so it was like wasn't too bad once I did get everything on with my safety blanket. Yeah, and actually I fell asleep. I woke up like drooling and had a dream, and like I was like, this is actually wasn't too bad. <laughs> and then at uh, like midnight, I woke up, took off the safety blanket, and uh, the moon was out and the storm rolled over. So. I made the uh, made the um, decision to keep going. And At then, midnight. Yeah, midnight to two thirty a.m. I did eighteen kilometers off the mountain and then back to the RP Castle Mountain Ski Resort. <laughs> And at, at midnight, the yeah. moon is shining yeah. and you're all alone and there is the elements. What's going on in your head? So like before I even go into like one of these big runs, like my whole mindset changes. Like I have, it's kind of like the warrior mindset, like you have one job to do and you're not going to stop until the job is done. So when I wake up and I see that conditions have changed, it's time to go. I don't think anything else, but like we have one place to go. We're going to go there. You got to get the job done. So. And Nothing the, else really goes in my mind other than that. And the, I, I'd love to know what your pregame is, but I know in military camps, they do it like, get to that uh, fence post, okay, get to the next one, okay. So do you have uh, little points where you're like, cool, I made it there, cool, I made it there? Yeah, yeah, kind of, probably little checkpoints in my mind, like, that I know on the map are coming up, but that's part of the idea of like ultra running, you try not to think about that too much. So you don't want to think about that next checkpoint, you want to think about the next step. You want to think too far ahead. You want you don't want to be wishing you're there the entire time. You want to be present while you're running. Oh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so you get to the RV at Castle Mountain Junction, and your crew's there. They're like, "Here's your water. Here, do you need a massage?" Uh, yeah, so the crew was sleeping. They didn't really expect me to be moving at that time. I thought they'd wait till like sunrise. I think in their mind they they thought like I was probably worse off than I was. I probably had a better sleep than they did actually. <laughs> Up there. So when I got there, they were a bit surprised and like, like happy to see me. And got there, I cracked open a beer and like chilled out for a bit. Had some chocolate covered jujubes and like some snacks, and then went to bed. <laughs> so you're yeah. you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, today I am gonna go and do the next leg. Day two is a lot more chill. It's actually gonna be probably the most chill section of the entire two weeks. So knowing that I slept in because like sleep's the most important part during one of these things, you gotta take advantage of every opportunity you have. Um, so I slept in, carved up, and then I think I left at like 10, 30, 11 in the morning. So like I, I knew it was gonna be a chill day. It's like 52K and like- Sorry, just for the listener, I, I want you to hear that one more time. I knew it was going to be a chill day, 52 kilometers. Okay, but okay, so like that does, yeah, maybe that sounds like a bit different, but like, to change perspectives, you have 24 hours in a day. Okay. And like most people have other things going on. I have one thing to do that day and it's to run 52K. And if I walk the entire thing, it's still going to be like, like what, 11 hours or something, which still gives me like 13 more hours of my day. Okay. Yeah. And because it did rain a lot the day before, it was pretty muddy, but it was primarily on like four wheeler tracks and like um, dirt roads. So it was really easy train to move on. Um, and then that night we got to... Coleman, Alberta. So I ended up in a town, went out for pizza and beer that night. It was like a pretty chill day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sweet. So we're yeah. feeling pretty good. We do the, the loungy 52K, <laughs> eat some pizza. Life's good. Life's good. Day three. Yeah, so day three was the first of a two-day solo section of the run. And I was supposed to cover 193 kilometers in that two-day section. And there's going to be roughly... 8,000 vertical meters as well within that nearly 200k. 
So nerves were high that morning going into it. Like I, I knew like it was going to be tough and, um, I'm on now, I'm now packing like self-supported for 200 kilometers. You're, you're carrying more stuff as well and safety stuff too. Cause like you're so exposed out there. Like you're, you're so remote that you, if something goes wrong, you need to be self-supported until rescue comes. Right. So there's more, more weight in your back. Yeah. And, and I felt good. My body was, it took a while to warm up like 10 K, but then I started running uh, 10 K in, but, um, I did get rained on like torrential downpour for 12 hours straight while I was running. So it was like, I had no idea where I was. I was in the clouds the entire time, just following a trail on a map. Um, and just like soaked to the core <laughs> running for that day. I covered about 80 K. Yeah. And then most of it was almost the entire time I was in the rain. Yeah. And what's so fascinating about this is you say it's not about the checkpoint. It's one foot, next foot, one yeah, foot, next yeah. foot. But when you're looking at a map and you don't know where you are, yeah. you're like, are you on your watch? Are you on your phone? What are you looking at to see where you're going? Uh, yeah, well, luckily we have like apps now that track you GPS when you even out of service. Um, so I was just well, following this one app and it was almost like spot on exactly where I was all the time. So it was really easy to navigate. So, and I kind of had an idea where I was, where I was like every night before bed for like the last two months, I was going over like a Google Earth platform where the, the entire route was on and I was like, reviewing the entire route from beginning to end every night before bed. So I kind of, I had an idea where I was, what I was to expect. So looking at the checkpoints, like I had an idea where things were, but I was trying to focus on it too much. Mm -hmm. I was just one foot in front of the other until we get to our destination. Yeah. Yeah. So you complete the 80K, you're yeah. wet, you're cold, you're all alone. It's dark, yeah. You find your little tree. <laughs> Sounds loosely based on my life. Yeah, so I was up in the Alpine, I dropped down to the tree line again, and then I think it was like 9.30 or closer to 10, and then I whipped out my hammock and then found a good, two good trees, sat there for a few hours. Okay, <laughs> you wake up, Yeah. and you're maybe a little bit delusional, yeah. because you're sleep deprived, body's being worked, and then you're like, okay, perfect. I'm back on the trail. Yep, we have we had 110k to go. So I was like, yeah, it's game time. Let's go. We gotta get this done. Yeah, and right away it was the mindset of like, we move until we get there kind of thing. Okay. Um, and yeah, so that was beginning of day four, and day four was the end of my um, Great Divide Trail experience. I was running for like 15k or 16k or something. And it was 6 a.m. when uh, I was kind of up on like a grassy tree ridge. I had like a speaker buttering on my phone just so like animals kind of knew where I was, like bears would, would be scared off by that sound kind of thing. And apparently not cougars. 6 a.m. I was just doing my thing, running the woods with my headlamp on, but you can kind of see stuff because the sun was just coming up. And all I saw was this one large cougar just come barreling straight at me. And that's how the whole thing started off. Okay. And, and, and maybe you can't go back to that moment, but what happened on a, on a visceral level? You see this yeah. big cat looking at you. Yeah. You know, that's like end of Sam. That didn't hit me until... I realized how aggressive it was. Okay. It was like, at that point was like, okay, let's, let's, you know, make, make it my presence, um, make it this cougar aware of my presence and, um, yeah, I start yelling at this thing and make myself look as big as possible. So I have my poles out swinging and then 
it kept charging, so I, I grabbed my bear spray, and it got like stuck for like a half second on my bag. So I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't, shouldn't swear. But <laughs> okay. okay, it doesn't matter. Okay, sweet. No. Uh, pulled it out, and then took the safety off. Never sprayed bear spray in my life before this moment. And then took a quick hit. It was a bit of a breeze, so it kind of like misted the cougar, but it was enough to kind of like throw it off a little bit. So it, it kind of changed its direction from going straight at me, went to the woods, and then like... For the next 15 to 20 minutes, it was me and this cougar kind of me screaming at this thing while it was charging at me. It hit it again, and then it would circle around, and then it would find different ways to like, pretty much looking for weaknesses of where it would try and get me, caught me off guard, would run back into the woods again, through bushes where I couldn't see it. But I turned my headlamp back on, so I could actually see its reflection of its eyes. So worst case scenario, I couldn't actually see its body, but through some of the bushes, I could just see its eyes, so I kind of knew where it was going to be. Yeah, it's, it's hard to really explain like how smart this creature was and um, how hard it was trying to to get me. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of like when I saw how persistent this thing was, even after I shot it a few times with bear spray, and it still didn't back down. It was like um, at that point, it was like, well, if we keep this up, like. I'm gonna run out of bear spray here, and like this is gonna be it. Yeah. I've sprayed bear spray before, and there's a little bit of a backlash of it where it gets yeah. you in your own lungs and you start to cough. Did you feel that or no? I got some in my hand. I okay. didn't get didn't get much coming back at me. Yeah, I got I got really lucky with that actually. Yeah, the, the wind was wasn't well. It wasn't really in my favor. It wasn't going directly towards this thing, but it was it was kind of going sideways. So it wasn't wasn't at me at all. So at what point he comes at you, she comes at you, they come at you, and uh, then yeah, well, I, I shot it five times. It did come at me really close, and then kind of dart off to the woods again. But um, it it was aggressive enough for me to defend myself five times. Yeah. And then what? Yeah, like it was kind of crazy. It got to the point where <clears throat> the adrenaline kind of came down. I just kind of accepted what was going on, and like. All right, I'm just dancing with this thing now. Let's do this, baby. Like we're gonna fight, and then, um, and then finally got to the point where it was like, I'm gonna run out of this thing. So it's time for me to get aggressive. I'm gonna wait for this thing to kill me. It's time to make a move here and just like, uh, be like on the opposite end of this. It got close enough for me to actually like, lean into it, and then for whatever reason, I made this split decision where it came close to like, lean in and spray right in the face so I can get a clean shot. And it was at the point where I could have, if I leaned it a bit further, I could have pet this thing. Like, that's how close it got. And then finally got like, a direct shot to his face. And then it didn't leave me alone, but it just, it just stalked me. It wasn't like on the attack anymore. And that's when I took the opportunity to um, start running. <laughs> but you can't turn your back to a cougar because that's when they'll attack as well. So I was kind of running sideways and backwards as fast as I could for my life pretty much and then as I was doing it I just like caught like a branch I think or a root <laughs> and just like whap smacked face down and like that oh fuck this is it <laughs> this thing's gonna be on me immediately turned around and like wasn't there so I just kept running but when I did like hit the ground hard like I felt something in my ankle just kind of like pop and but then I kind I knew it was, a, it was a ton of pain immediately <laughs> But like I had to keep running, like I didn't have a choice anymore. Um, so like I ran out, looking behind, I could see this, the eyes of the cougar like go further and further behind me. So I knew it was kind of slowly letting off. 
I also knew that there was like, like an open field, like maybe a few hundred meters away, so I could have a better look of like where this cougar's gonna come from. Um, that was the pro. The downside is a bit more of a breeze, so I wouldn't have a good shot at it if they did come at me again. But I, I knew like what to expect, so I can have a bit, bit more of like um, a view of what which angle is gonna come at. So I took that chance, and I saw it way off in the distance. Um, but I knew the trail switched back again, so it could cut down as well if, if it knew the trail or anything, um, or even smelt me. So yeah, I ended up just following the trail, being super alert, but that was the last time I saw it. And luckily, kind of knowing the map well, I knew that there was like a, a campsite two kilometers back from where I passed, just kind of off the trail. So I went back to that campsite and, actually maybe, maybe 3K back. Um, went back to that campsite and there was one tent there, which is lucky because I didn't see anybody for 100 kilometers. And so there was just a random tent. And I pitched up my um, hammock and I just kind of stayed on guard close to people because cougars won't approach you if there's more people around you. And I didn't see it again, that was it. And when the two girls camping woke up, they didn't really expect some random stranger soaking wet to be swinging in a hammock right beside them. <laughs> so I'm sure I kind of threw them off and I told them a story right away what was like going on and they were like super understanding, super nice. They offered me a hot coffee and like, it was, yeah, super friendly. And then I waited for them to get their stuff together and they were going the same direction. And they were going at the only like exit point within like that 200 kilometer section, which was like a 31K from that spot, yeah. Did you travel with those two, the whole 31 I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. How's your ankles at this point? It was pretty sore. Yeah. yeah. It got worse and worse as I was walking, yeah. And I'm curious, as a coach, how has this experience, do you think, given you more wisdom for the angle of coaching? I'm not sure, like, if the Cougar experience gave me a different angle for coaching, but I feel like the experience of doing, like, these long multi-day um, runs, having a taste of it, gave me more of an idea of how to approach something like this when coaching. So, like, in terms of, like, fueling and pacing and that kind of thing, um, definitely took some notes away to bring to practice for uh, athletes to come. Like, for example, like, um, like I said, you have 24 hours in a day, like, make sure you take your time because it's not a race. Especially, like, I knew going into this that, like, um, I'm a bit more on the younger side to be doing, like, the multi-day stuff, which is because most younger ultra runners just go for speed, and that's where they they suck at the stuff. It's because mm -hmm. they come in hot-headed, they go in way too fast, and they die off quick. Isn't it interesting that your dad gave you the advice, this is not a race? I know, it was great to have him around, and he was, like, he kind of slowed me down, it was, like, you need to enjoy your surroundings and like what you're doing rather than like go for the time and like I knew that going into it but he's kind of like confirmed it um and another thing is just like just like fueling up making sure like I was really on top of like calories and carbs and like again like don't look at time like throw that away and just get the stop and get the food into you like you need to be eating constantly mm -hmm. um yeah I mean when you're dealing with a cougar like you you're not really expecting that to happen ever Unfortunately, that was my second run with the Cougar this year. <laughs> but like, so like the first time, like, oh, that won't happen again. Turns out it happened even worse. And then, so you can't keep saying that, but like, there's not many Cougars in these woods. It's just been very unlucky, but um, you can't really, I mean, I, I brought bear spray. That's kind of like what you bring, mm -hmm. you find yourself. Um, 
and kind of just, just plan to that never happen again, but you know, always, always carry your bear spray. Yeah. So I know, uh, from dealing with some near death experiences, things shifted for me, Yeah. you know, like my, I became different and I, I don't, I can't explain why, but do you feel different yet? Okay. So did that happen for you immediately or did no, that, it took that, a while. okay. So I feel like I'm still going through this. So I'm mm-hmm. noticing things more and more and yeah, like that first week, I definitely dealt with my PTSD. I think I'm, I'm still dealing with a bit of it for sure. Like, can you um, explain it? I don't want to go into the wound, yeah. but but is it um, like a visceral feeling? Is it like <gasps> yeah. shocking? Anxiety. Yes. Is, like my anxiety is for like I never had like terrible anxiety. Like I mean, with certain things like like going to work, or whatever, like little things, like natural things. But like now, I'll just have it for no reason. And like I can always something to do with the cougar. Like I'm stressed out. Like I feel pressure, the same pressure I felt when the cougar was around every once in a while. If that makes sense. Totally. Like there's like this pressure I'm having that I can't really describe, but that feeling's there, and like I'm anxious about it. And, and I'm still trying to get rid of that. And that's that's one aspect of it. And I wake up in the middle of the night in a panic because of it. There is a, a doctor that studies trauma, okay. specifically post-traumatic stress, and he says that in the wild, if a cougar attacked a sheep and the sheep got away. The sheep would sh- the sheep would shake its body Whoa. to shake the trauma out, and then Whoa. a sheep continues. So I start shaking them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But as humans, boom, you get like you you get hit, and, okay. and but the trauma stays in the body. So I'm curious how you'll handle that pressure, that feeling of. Yeah, I, I it's been dissipating for sure. Great. Now, um, but there's definitely still like moments. There's still like small things like I, I still feel like um. Even like, I don't know, there's lots of weird things right now. Like, like the first week after I couldn't sleep, like it was just like constant dreams, like very, very vivid dreams of like riding that trail or like something to do with a run-in or something aggressive in my dream on a trail, not necessarily related to the cougar or it was specifically just the cougar. Mm-hmm. So it was like something related to that run or what happened for a week straight where I, I couldn't actually sleep. So I was just tired all day and like, which didn't help either. Mm-hmm. It's like one thing it's getting better like September 1st like was the day I was supposed to stop running and that was the first day I didn't have a dream about it it was like in my mind like you know, I'm supposed to be moving for this long and like the day that in my mind that I was supposed to stop moving was the first day that I stopped having crazy oh. dreams about it yeah uh, the first thing I want to say, though, is a huge kudos to you because the reason you could dance with that kitty, that shit kitty, yeah, as you the, call the it. the murder cat. <laughs> the reason you could dance with the murder cat is that you were well prepared. Like, you've been training, you've been running, your head game is strong. It's not like you're some rookie going off into the woods trying to do this big race, you know, and you yeah. tasted how strong you really are. So can you imagine yourself doing that race again? I can't imagine myself not doing it. Mm. This is the kind of the way to look at it. I, I, I think about it, and for that to be the end of my Great Divide Trail experience is heartbreaking. Like mm. I, I, that cannot be it. I, I love these mountains so much. I love this area. I love the Canadian Rockies. Like it's insane what we have in our backyard. And I love running and the style of running, just moving light and fast to the mountains is like one of the coolest things, the most natural things I think like you could do. And to do it in this insane landscape is like, it's like one of the most, I don't know, coolest things I think I could do in my lifetime is to move that style 
through this landscape and cover the entire stretch of the Canadian Rockies. And that's the Great Divide Trail. And so I, I really, I don't want to die not knowing what that's going to be like. So I, I need to do it, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it's it's like encoded in your DNA. Yeah. You cannot not do it. Yeah, the idea of not doing it's not even there. It's like, yeah. I have to do this. Yeah. So what about the feeling of, and I'm, I might be projecting, but of like a failed attempt? What's that like? Yeah, it was tough. I, I haven't like had, I hate to say this, like I've been pretty lucky with like how running has gone so far. Like... I haven't like pulled up an ultra or anything. I mean, remember your favorite quote? Luck is when preparedness meets the opportunity. So yeah. yes, you've never had to stop, but you train really hard and you're very serious. So yes, but okay, so you've never had to stop before. Uh, so this is the first time really pulling out a goal. And that was a weird experience. Like it was heartbreaking. It was, I went through like, I'm still going through like a bit of a depression and like I kind of just shut up to the world like mm-hmm. I didn't talk to anyone I kind of turned off my social media I, I still like I'm having a tough time like connecting again like from the experience with Cougar and backing out kind of everything all the above yeah like, I'm still kind of dealing with that yeah uh, but you learn from it so they tell me <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm still like I'm still I haven't got to the point yet where I'm learning but I already have like a notebook where I'm I'm going over the Great Divide Trail. I'm writing down what happened, what I've learned, what I'm gonna do next, and how I'm gonna do it better. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's what I'm doing now, and I'm already changing up things. Even though I was only four days in, so yeah, I, I guess I am learning. Yeah. The the <laughs> other thing though is like when I had my car accident, same thing, very different, but same kind of scenario. Is I remember for two weeks shutting off my social media. Okay. I couldn't talk to anyone. I didn't want anyone coming near me. Yeah. Only like my parents and closest friends yeah yes that because exactly right. because you're different now yeah because they say that it's like a big wake-up call yeah not that you're doing anything wrong but it's like you're alive i feel like the last two days have like really kind of come out of my shell and i think that has a lot to do with like uh i've started running again like mm-hmm. lately i think i'm moving my body again and i'm doing what i love which it kind of like clears my head out mm-hmm. but yeah like i just kind of shut out Everybody, I didn't really know what to say to anybody. How to even explain what happened? <laughs> yeah, so I and I am coming back like now that yeah I can run again and I feel better talking about it and like uh, and like everyone's just been like so incredibly supportive. Like everyone's wants like the best for you kind of thing. So it's like you kind of feel like the um, how strong the Banff community mm-hmm, is. You know? yeah. Totally. And your dad came yeah. out right. And yeah. He was with you for a bit. He was. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of, uh, I think you live your life in like flow state. So flow state, obviously heightened awareness, present moment, trance like state. So you got kicked out of your trance like state mm-hmm. that you get through, through running. So of course you feel off. You're not yeah, yourself. Yeah. And anyone that does like big endurance stuff, I think there is a lot to do with the head game. Yeah. A lot of us struggle with whatever it is we struggle with. And that's a way that we temper the feelings inside our heads. Yeah, it's um another way of like, there's only, I go into this certain mindset that I only get when I'm doing something big like this. Mm-hmm. And then I get this, I never go there in any other aspect of my life other than when I'm doing that, mm-hmm. that thing. And that for me is ultra running. And then like, 
I, I'm on such a high when I'm doing it the entire time. I'm in a different place. I'm in my, my zone. I'm exactly where I need to be and where I want to be while I'm doing it. And then when I'm taken out of it without finishing my goal, it just I go from this massive high to like a big low immediately. Like you, get, you just get cut off and like you're not ready for it. It wasn't expected. It's not part of your plan. Mm-hmm. And then like this, when something doesn't go into your plan like that, it's just, it's hard to... Yeah, but this is like not to belittle your experience, but it's like this is what builds character. Yeah, this is what makes you very interesting. Yeah, and also like compassionate. How could you take that what you do on the trail into your life? Like, how do you change your head game so that our conversation, eating, drinking, all that stuff is more like the running? That's a good question. Like running for me, like is, I used to be like an awkward little dude who like I didn't really, I wasn't really good in conversation. I couldn't look people in the eye kind of thing. I wasn't very social or I was really awkward. Which is so I, funny because the one thing I noticed about you is how good you are at eye contact. Okay. So that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But honestly, like all that kind of changed when I started running. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, like, like when you find that thing that really gets you going, like I just gained this crazy confidence that I never mm-hmm. had before and like, so then that kind of just brought that into all aspects of my life, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Beautiful. Now, let's talk about the recovery. I noticed a meme that you posted. Yeah. <laughs> cracked me up, and it was a nurse, and the nurse is like, okay, you're going to have to rest for two weeks. And then the, the person on the bed is like, okay, so you mean just a, a gentle 20-miler? Yeah, okay. it's just a, so what you hear is you... like, a gentle 20-miler was slowly warming up. <laughs> yeah, and like... That's exactly what I feel like. Okay, like, yeah, my knee's kind of sore, but I bet in, like, 15K, it's going to warm up. It'll be good to go. Because oh. so, like, it happens, too. Like, during an ultra, it's just like, yeah, you go through these crazy pains, but then, like, all of a sudden, they're gone. So you're like, yeah, but it's probably going to happen again. You know? Totally. Yeah. Because it's like that that trance state is, is moving beyond the body. Yeah. Because the body's kind of temporary. So how are you recovering? What's your plan for, like, running and resting? Right now, I'm, like, doing, like, Cairo. Um, I'm seeing this guy, uh, Will in town, he's got like, um, a practice above like, uh, the Wolf and Bear Mall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been like incredible. He's like, he fixed up my IT band, uh, literally like 10 days before going into this run. And then he's been like working on my ankle right after. And he's like nearly fixed it up to hundred percent within just like, a few sessions. And then that as well as massage and rolling, lots of rolling and ice. So like hanging on the Bow River and just like relaxing and just kind of being present and like also that's just the physical aspect of it like um like going to see you yoga the other day was a huge benefit even though I felt pretty useless I was just kind of like lying there in awkward positions because I couldn't even like cross my legs and my ankle um but, but like you just were like, in it like I felt you with us like yeah, it yeah, yeah. wasn't messy because I knew yeah, you were with good. us I was like focusing my breathing uh-huh. and I was like I was like people around me breathing and like you're breathing and like I was trying to like kind of keep up with that like metronome of like the pace we're going at. But like leaving, coming out of that, I went into like depressed because I woke up that morning with like my ankle was like so sore. I could, wasn't really walking great. And then uh, I went into that and like kind of like reset my brain and like I went out had coffee after and like I think, yeah, it really helped me out. So like that's the mental aspect of it. And yeah, like right now, like my most important thing is like just to get back out running because like I feel like I need to heal my body first before I can heal my mind. Because once I get my body back to normal, then I can work in my my brain. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Well, I am just so happy that you're good. And I know you haven't metabolized what happened to you yet, but you will. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, It's coming along. uh, 
Yeah, it's it's cool to hear like your experience. Like you said, it took some time to to like figure out like how to continue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of feeling that like, every day. Every day I'm like I'm coming out of like I hit my biggest low and like I'm now I'm coming out of the low and like mm-hmm. I now I'm I'm learning what every day I'm learning more and more of like how to continue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it was like wild for me because the world continues, but my world was destroyed. Yeah. And yeah, I was yeah. like, how can they be going through their mo- their life motions and I like I kind of wish I would have died because I'm so depressed. Yeah, 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 you know, but, but yeah. yeah. Like I've dealt with depression before and like, I mean, there's like, there's three, there's a few things that what, what kind of keeps me, keeps me going and like the biggest one's running. So when I don't have that, it's just like, it's hard to, and if you hit a low that brings you to that place and you can't even run, it's just like, Yep. What do we do now? <laughs> so are, are the other two things beer and donuts or what? Uh, yeah. Other two things um, is uh, cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cannabis and my pills. Yeah. yeah. So Good. I, if I don't have my pills, if I just do my pills and I don't run enough cannabis, then it's like I, I'm sad. That, that does something, but I'm sad. Mm-hmm. If I... I'm just running, but I don't have cannabis in my pills, then it's like, I'm feeling good, but like, there's still something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. But if I have all three together, like, I just microdose some cannabis, and like, yeah. I, I'm consistent with my pills, and like, I run as much as I can to keep me happy, then like, that combination, like, pretty flawless for mm-hmm. me. Like, there's almost no problems, yeah. And thank you for bringing light to that because I think mental health, a lot of people think you shouldn't take pills, Yeah. but it is a, a neurochemical thing happening in the brain and is so important that people understand what yeah. they need to do to, to have a homeostasis. Yeah. Mine, like, um, I was lucky enough that there wasn't like any play with my pills. Like I, it's something that ran in my family and mm-hmm. it was just like a chemical imbalance that, that like multiple people in my family all have to take the exact same pill and just like this kind of worked like, yeah I, I went to the doctor and like this is what's going on and they're like here you go and it worked yeah <laughs> so oh. i'm like people have a totally different journey with this whole thing and i just i'm just lucky that i i knew it was going on so it was no there was no problem at all it was mm-hmm. very easy for me to solve it yeah, yeah. but um yeah, I just got like stay on top of it and then follow through with those three things and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then on top of it, get my, my donuts and beer, finish up my day yeah. and I like, couldn't be happier. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I think it is very enlightening, especially for folks that have been in those situations but can't tell us about them because they didn't make it. Yeah. And I can't wait to cheer you on when you do the race again. Yeah, thanks for having me on again and uh, yeah. yeah, tell my story and yeah. Nice chatting with you. Yeah. For sure. And last thing, how can people find you if they wanted to? Right now, I kind of post all my stuff, like uh, upcoming runs and recovery, all to my Instagram, which is like it's Samuel Yeah, and you can shoot me a message. Right now, I'm kind of I'm coming out of my shell. <laughs> if you have any questions, you can shoot me a message. I will get to it eventually. Awesome. And if anyone's looking for a running coach, give him like a month. But in a month, he will be accepting yeah. new clients. Yeah. At the end of the month, uh, yeah, I'll be ready to go for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. What an epic and what a dude. His story is the prime example of whether you want to be wounded in the world or wiser. He is doing his work to make sure that he is a vehicle of peace in the world and an inspiration. If you liked what you heard, be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast. Till next time, I love you. Carrie Bear Spray. And keep on keeping on.